0: Chapter Sixty Four of White Jacket or The World in a Man of War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. White Jacket or The World in a Man of War by Herman Melville. Chapter Sixty Four Man of War Trophies. When the second cutter pulled about among the ships, dropping the surgeons aboard the American men-of-war here and there, as a pilot-boat distributes her pilots at the mouth of the harbor, she passed several foreign frigates, two of which, an Englishman and a Frenchman, had excited not a little remark on board the Neversink. These vessels often loosed their sails and exercised yards simultaneously with ourselves, as if desirous of comparing the respective efficiency of the crews. When we were nearly ready for sea, the English frigate, weighing her anchor, made all sail with the sea breeze and began showing off her paces by gliding about among all the men of war in harbor, and particularly by running down under the neversink's stern. Every time she drew near, we complimented her by lowering our ensign a little, and invariably she courteously returned the salute. She was inviting us to a sailing match, and it was rumored that, when we should leave the bay, our captain would have no objections to gratify her, for, be it known, the Neversink was accounted the fleetest keeled craft sailing under the American long pennant. Perhaps this was the reason why the stranger challenged us. It may have been that a portion of our crew were the more anxious to race with this frigate, from a little circumstance which a few of them deemed rather galling. Not many cables length distant from our Commodore's cabin lay the frigate President, with the Red Cross of St. George flying from her peak. As its name imported, this fine craft was an American-born, but having been captured during the last war with Britain, she now sailed the salt seas as a trophy. Think of it, my gallant countrymen, one and all, down the sea coast and along the endless banks of the Ohio and Columbia. Think of the twinges we sea patriots must have felt to behold the live oak of the Floridas and the pines of green Maine built into the oaken walls of old England. But to some of the sailors there was a counterbalancing thought as grateful as the other was galling. And that was that somewhere, sailing under the stars and stripes, was the frigate Macedonian, a British-born craft which had once sported the battle banner of Britain. It has ever been the custom to spend almost any amount of money in repairing a captured vessel, in order that she may long survive to commemorate the heroism of the conqueror. Thus, in the English Navy, there are many monsoors of 74s, one from the Gaul. But we Americans can show but few similar trophies, though no doubt we would much like to be able to do so. But I never have beheld any of the floating trophies without being reminded of a scene once witnessed in a pioneer village on the western bank of the Mississippi. Not far from this village where the stumps of aboriginal trees yet stand in the marketplace, some years ago lived a portion of the remnant tribes of the Sioux Indians, who frequently visited the white settlements to purchase trinkets and cloths. One florid crimson evening in July, when the red-hot sun was going down in a blaze, and I was leaning against a corner in my huntsman's frock, lo, there came stalking out of the crimson west a gigantic red man, erect as a pine with his glittering tomahawk big as a broad axe, folded in martial repose across his chest. Moodily wrapped in his blanket and striding like a king on the stage, he promenaded up and down the rustic streets, exhibiting on the back of his blanket a crowd of human hands, rudely delineated and red. One of them seemed recently drawn. "'Who is this warrior?' asked I. "'And why marches he here?' And for what are these bloody hands? The warrior is the red-hot coal, said a pioneer in moccasins by my side. He marches here to show off his last trophy. Every one of those hands attests a foe scalped by his tomahawk. And he has just emerged from Ben Browns, the painter, who has sketched the last red hand that you see. For last night this red-hot coal outburned the yellow torch, the chief of a band of the foxes poor savage thought i and is this the cause of your lofty gait do you straighten yourself to think that you have committed a murder when a chance falling stone has often done the same is it a proud thing to topple down six feet perpendicular of immortal manhood though that lofty living tower needed perhaps thirty good growing summers to bring it to maturity poor savage and you account it so glorious do you to mutilate and destroy what God himself was more than a quarter of a century in building? And yet, fellow Christians, what is the American frigate Macedonian, or the English frigate President, but as two bloody red hands painted on this poor savage's blanket? Are there no Moravians in the moon that not a missionary has yet visited this poor pagan planet of ours to civilize civilization and Christianize Christendom? End of chapter 64 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista